Good to be with you here in our first gathering of 2021. I uh, wish you a happy new year. Uh, I'm uh, one of the pastors and elders here. If I don't know you, I hope to get to know you this year. Uh, so welcome those who are here live and those who are joining us live stream. This morning service will be a little different than uh, our normal um, service, but it will be our normal beginning of the year service. So we have a, uh, a tradition of starting every year uh, with a prayer and praise service, as Tony mentioned. And uh, so it has a little bit different rhythm to it. It's a little bit more participatory um, uh, than normal, and uh, I think it's good. Uh, it'll follow, uh, we're going to follow, it doesn't always, but today we're going to follow the ACTS acronym. You may have heard of that. A for adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. So we're going to kind of move through those um, uh, elements in this corporate worship. I would commend to you that those are great elements uh, to structure your personal quiet times around. In one sense, and I really felt this during our um, uh, 9 o'clock service, in one sense, what we're doing here together is a, a mirror image of, of what um, is a healthy thing for us to do um, uh, privately every day with the Lord. And in fact, I'll say it again at the end, but I would commend to you um, that the best thing for your health, for your spiritual and emotional health for 2021 would be to start every day, much like we're going to corporately start today. Uh, so we're going to worship kind of through these frames of adoration, confession, um, thanksgiving, and supplication. So uh, in way of uh, sticking with that metaphor, the way I start every morning my time with the Lord is, is with this little book. I, I, I can't uh, recommend it any more highly. It's called The Valley of Vision. I, I think I say this at the beginning, first service of every year. So many of y'all have hopefully taken me up on it by now, but it's a, it's a prayer book of the Puritans. And uh, it's really rich, really good. I love to start my quiet times reading one of these and then getting into God's word. It just kind of postures my heart appropriately. So I'm going to do that uh, with us today uh, together. So I'm going to read the one that's called Year's End. And it's a great uh, it's a great both um, remembrance of, of, of uh, kind of marks the end of something, but also looks forward to the beginning of something. It reads this way. O love beyond compare, thou art good when thou givest and thou takest away. When the sun shines upon me, when night gathers over me, thou hast loved me before the foundation of the world, and in love didst redeem my soul. Thou dost love me still, in spite of my hard heart, ingratitude, distrust. Thy goodness has been with me during another year, leading me through a twisting wilderness, in retreat helping me to advance, when beaten back, making sure headway. Thy goodness will be with me in the year ahead. I hoist sail and draw up anchor, with thee as the blessed pilot of my future as of my past. I bless thee that thou hast veiled my eyes to the waters ahead. If thou hast appointed storms of tribulation, thou will be with me in them. If I pass through the tempest of persecution and temptation, I shall not drown. If I am to die, I shall see thy face the sooner. If a painful end is to be my lot, grant me grace that my faith fail me not. If I am to be cast aside from the service I love, I can make no stipulation. Only glorify thyself in me, whether in comfort or in trial. As a chosen vessel, meet always for thy use." Well, to begin in adoration this morning, I'm going to read for us uh, Psalm 145. Uh, to give you just a little bit of context, this is the last psalm that David wrote, or it's the last psalm attributed to David. Pretty cool if you know a little bit of um, uh, biblical history and, and uh, David's life, if you can just imagine an older David, an old David, at the end of his life, having been through Oh, uh, just an unbelievable uh, adventure and roller coaster at times from his shepherding as a young boy, the sheep of, of, uh, of his flock, of his pasture, and being anointed by Samuel to be the king, uh, waiting through great trial and tribulation for his kingship to begin after that of Saul's uh, fell and uh, his, his constant battles with the Philistines. Uh, with his own stubborn, hard-hearted people, with the coup of one of his sons. I mean, just the myriad of, of uh, deep emotional victory and loss that he went through in life. And so many of the Psalms stem out of those valleys and those mountaintops um, that he had 2020s and 2021s. And um, 
And uh, through David's Psalms, we read of a man who knows the full spectrum of emotion that we go through. And at the end of his life, so as a culminating hymn, he writes Psalm 145. And uh, I want you to notice specifically that it begins and ends with a declaration. Let me read you the beginning of the end, then I'll go back and read the whole thing. The beginning of the end reads this way. I'll extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I'll bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. The last verse, 21, is my mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. So he begins and ends his final psalm declaring God's greatness, that God is worthy to be praised. And in between, he gives us a whole lot of whys. He answers the question of why. So if you don't mind, stand to your feet if you're able. I'm going to read to us Psalm 145 in a way of a prayer of adoration, a psalm of adoration, and then we'll sing together because he is worthy of our praise. Psalm 145. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty, and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness." The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power. To make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in his works. The Lord upholds all who are, fall, who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Let's sing together.
into a time of confession, and um, this is one of those areas where uh, I think sometimes we have a, a, a muddied view of confession. Oftentimes when it comes to the sin in our lives, sinful thoughts, sinful actions, sinful tendencies, sinful patterns, whatever it may be, we tend to ignore them or, or tend to um, uh, hide them. Uh, whatever it may be, we tend not to do the one thing that is our privilege as the children of God, and that is to confess them, to come to a loving Father who's faithful to forgive and to confess them. Let, let, me, let me just remind us of what um, the beloved disciple or apostle John writes uh, in 1 John. Two truths come out of this, uh, these two verses that are very powerful. 1 John chapter 1 Verse 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And then verse 9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So it does us no good to say we have no sin. The reality is, um, when we trust in Christ, uh, the penalty of sin is removed from us. Uh, as far as the east is from the west, we'll never experience the wages of sin which are death because Christ took those wages and paid the price for our sin he became the curse that we might become the righteousness of God and yet the power of sin lingers uh, our stubborn flesh lingers it dies hard so to say and the presence of sin is not immediately expunged like we're in a battle there's a spiritual battle that rages even now Satan, if he can't uh, destroy your soul, he still wants to divide, divide you. He still wants to distract you. He'd love to disqualify you from ministry. And so um, there's a legitimate battle going on. Um, and sin, it, it, we will struggle with our flesh. It, we're in this process. In a moment you're declared righteous, that's justification. Then in a process, you have to struggle with sin as the Holy Spirit conforms you into the image of his son Jesus. That's sanctification. What that process does us no good to act as if we have no sin. 
We don't want to be Pharisees. We don't want to look down our nose at others in their sin as if we have none of our own. I had a mentor that used to say, we need to make sure we stay downwind of ourselves. Uh, if you've ever changed the air filters in your houses, I always think of this when we sing holy, 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 uh, of God's holiness. You know, if you, if you pull that old air filter out, you might think, ah, oh, it's a little gray, doesn't look too bad. And then if you put the new one in, you go, whoa, what were we breathing in here? Like when you contrast it against that which is pure and white, you recognize its wretchedness. Well, that's how we are. We kind of get used to ourselves and think that we're doing pretty good. Unless we really consider the holiness of God, then we're like Isaiah, who says, woe is me. Good gracious, am I dirty. And so confession is the privilege of the saint that, that we don't have to just live in this uh, separation from God in sin. That where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He came to forgive us, yes, but also to free us, to cleanse us. We can, we can take a spiritual baths. Uh, we want to be repenting. I don't know if you have the notion that as a Christian you repent once. You turn from sin and turn to Christ. That's true. But then you continue every day of your life to turn from sin and turn to Christ. It's not just a one-time deal. And confession is the front door of repentance. We confess our sin. And if we do so, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Let me stay with David for a moment and just read you a couple things. Um, one out of Psalm 32. This is right after he was rebuked by um, Nathan, if you remember, uh, in way of an illustration. He was, God rebuked him through this prophet Nathan, and that uh, illumined David to the, to the reality of a sin that was separate, that was impeding his fellowship with God. And of course, the sin was flagrant and gross, but no more flagrant and gross than our sin. All right, it was, it was a sin of adultery and a sin of murder. And um, you think, gosh, well, that's more flagrant than my sin. I didn't murder anybody. And remember Jesus in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. If you've ever harbored anger in your heart towards someone, that's murder. That's, the, that's that same sin root in your heart that David acted out. And so uh, listen to these first few words. After David has come to the realization He's uh, been made aware of his sin. He's gotten downwind of himself. Listen to this. Psalm 32, 1 through 5. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. Listen carefully. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I'll confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayers to you at a time when you may be found. The New Christian Standard says, immediately. Uh, that's my experience with sin, that the heavy hand of the Lord, which is an act of mercy, that the Holy Spirit inside of us grieves when we sin, the Lord presses on us, we feel that heaviness. And that's mercy. God doesn't just turn us over to our sin. We're not pagans that are hardened in rebellion that he gives over to ourselves. No, we're children that he chastens to repentance. So that heavy hand is an invitation to confess, to be cleansed, to repent, to be forgiven. And David said, uh, until you confess, you are, that unconfessed sin will have a slow, rotting, decaying effect on your soul. My bones were rotting. We just cut down a, the largest tree. I was so sad. I hate, I hate to lose a tree. We just cut down our largest tree. We had to. It had died. And um, we've been in this house for, oh, I should know, five years now. And it's, it was my favorite tree because it was our biggest tree. Huge, beautiful oak tree that was some 60, 70 feet, I'm estimating. But I looked out this morning at the ones that were comparatively high and just tried to think in my head so I could give an accurate illustration. This thing was massive, though. 60-plus feet high, our highest tree. So its branches leaved out and gave the most shade in the summertime when the boys were playing. Uh, we enjoyed the fruit and the shade of this tree. And yet this last summer, there was no, no bloom at all. It didn't leave at all. 
And I had an expert come out and he did some tests and said, yeah, this, uh, this tree, sadly, it's dead. It's not coming back. There's nothing we can do. It's dead. You're going to have to take it down or it could end up falling and hurting somebody. And he suggested in the winter we had it taken down. So just recently we did. And when the guys came and took it out, by the way, this is a tree that if you and I, you know, if I put my hands like this and then you did the same on the other side, we still wouldn't touch. Okay, you, can't, you couldn't bear hug this tree with two men. Huge. They had cranes out there, an entire crew to take this thing down in pieces. And when they, were, when they brought the pieces up on this trailer, my boys and I were out there looking at it. And Jonathan was like, Dad, look at the middle of that tree. And I'm in this massive oak that you couldn't get two men's arms around. In the middle, at about a, about a 12 or 16 inch diameter, it was, there was a hollow hole running right through the middle of it. And what nobody could see all these years was that it was dying. It was hollowing out. It was rotting inside. We had no idea the effects or, or even the disease until it was dead. And this is what sin does. I can't see your sin uh, unless it's really flagrant like David's. I mean, I don't know what's going on inside your, your soul but I know that sin has a rotting, decaying, wasting away effect that I may not be able to see until you're dead, spiritually dead. And yet the Lord knows the heavy hand of God is a merciful act. He invites you to confession. He, it'd be as if this tree could have been treated before it decayed. That's what confession does. It brings the treatment of God to heal us of our iniquity to refresh us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, that we can be healthy and produce good fruit. And so here's how we do it. Psalm 51, again, David writing, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. In sin did my mother conceive me. We have a sin nature. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. And you teach me wisdom in the secrets of my heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you've broken rejoice. I had a young man after the first service come up and just say, I am beat down, I am tired, I'm exhausted. And we talked about why. There's so much sin in his life. He's all tangled up and wrapped up in it that he has no joy and he has no gladness in his heart. Sin will steal your joy as it rots out your soul. He says, I want to hear joy and gladness. Let my bones rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquities. I, I pray this constantly. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right or steadfast spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. That's what sin does. It pushes us away from God. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. That's what sin does. Grieves the Holy Spirit of God. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. And here's how we come. He says, O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I'd give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. How do I come to God? Broken and contrite spirit, he will not despise. He doesn't need you to sacrifice an animal this morning. Praise God. What he invites us to is to see our sin and his heavy hand. God's hand will probe your heart. He will press on it. He will illumine to you where the blockages are. Like, a, like the good physician who goes in to do heart surgery and finds the blockage. And then the way of removal is that we agree with the Holy Spirit. Yes, there's sin in my life right there. Will you cleanse me? Will you heal me? Will you remove the blockage? He's faithful and just to do it. What moves the heart of God? A broken and contrite spirit. I'm going to give you a few moments this morning uh, just <clears throat> privately. Again, this is a little bit more participatory, 
in some areas, uh, we, don't, we don't always do this part of our service, but I think it's good and needed. It's an important part of our spiritual diet. Uh, so I'm going to give you a few moments just to be still. Just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal in you. That, that you may already know immediately what it is you need to confess. You may need to sit with it for a few minutes and just ask God to reveal to you. But again, 1 John, if any of us says, I ain't got any sin, then you're deceiving yourself. You're letting yourself be deceived. By the way, in my own heart, in my own life, as I really thought through this, the Lord convicted me in, in some areas that are uh, really prevalent in our culture, but if we don't watch it, they sneak into our church and in our own hearts. Um, uh, greed and worldliness that really displays itself in covetousness. I don't know if that's how you say that, coveting. You know, desiring to have uh, that which others have, which I may not have. Whether it's something tangible or, uh, or not. Um, but especially it's kind of like the pandemic and 2020 and COVID has pressed down. And, and sometimes for me, I look for an escape versus to be still and find my rest in the Lord. And that escape can come from thinking something someone else has would somehow be what I need to satisfy me and not the Lord. But what is that? What, it, it could be sins of idolatry. That idolatry is when you take something, even if it's a good thing, and you love that thing more than you love Jesus. You trust in that thing or that person more than you trust in Jesus. You put hope in something more than you hope in the Lord. That's idolatry. Immorality, we know what that is. It's uh, a perversion, rebellion against the Lord in an area, often sexual. Greed, worldliness seeps in at every turn. So be still. And let's practice something that's an important part of our spiritual diet. Let's practice it together. Let's all be still. And uh, just in the quietness of your own heart, I want to invite you to do what the scriptures invite, that you can go to the Lord confessing your sin, knowing that he's faithful and just to forgive. Take a few minutes. got a um, corporate prayer of confession that we're going to put on the screen here and I uh, would like us to pray this prayer corporately. Let's pray it together. So if you'd pray with me this morning. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done and we've done those things which we ought not to have done. And there is nothing good in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare those, O God, who confess their faults. Restore those who are penitent according to your promises. 
declared unto men in Christ Jesus our Lord. Grant that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of his name. Amen. Psalm 103 reads this way. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Verse 11, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Amen. If y'all stand to your feet, I want to offer this pastoral assurance of pardon. And then let's sing together in light of God's mercy. Almighty God, who does freely pardon all who repent and turn to him, now fulfill in every contrite heart the promise of redeeming grace, forgiving all our sins, cleansing us from an evil conscience through the perfect sacrifice of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Bro. 
Well, I um, want us to enter a time of Thanksgiving together, and just to say a few words about Thanksgiving, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, um, 17 and following says, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Backing up a verse, it says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. You know, I'll just be honest, for me, this is tough. It's easy to give thanks when the circumstances dictate it, when the circumstances are, when things are going well, when it seems like there's something tangible to celebrate, we give thanksgiving. And yet the word of God says, thanks in all circumstances. And uh, I think just as confession is an important meal in our diet, so is Thanksgiving. I know in our home, I constantly preach to the boys that they cannot survive merely on meat and potatoes and sugars. That, that's the way they would have it. They can, they can literally go three meals a day and not even think about fruits and vegetables. Uh, but we love them too much. Catherine and I are saying, no, we got to get some colors in your diet. There's got to be some greens and some oranges and some yellows, and we got to get some vitamins and nutrients. And there's so much goodness uh, that your body needs and craves uh, that does not come merely from these other parts of the diet. And so it is spiritually. Um, there are many components that are essential in our spiritual diet. We just talked about uh, one and, and two, really. We talked about confession. That's critical. We're not going to have a healthy walk with God without a, conf- a regular diet of confession, a regular meal of confession. And of repentance, again, confession is the front door of constantly turning from sin, turning to God. And obedience, the, the active invitation of God's mercy in obedience. That is uh, critical for us to remain healthy spiritually. And, uh, and, and yet another one that we maybe sometimes don't think about is thanksgiving. That in light of who God is and what he has done for us, we're a people that are thankful. Amen. Does God owe us anything else in order for us to be, have hearts full of gratitude? God could do nothing else ever again for me. And he has demonstrated his love for us in this while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. So uh, what overwhelms us when our hearts are postured in gratitude? Oftentimes, the, um, it happens to me oftentimes the tyranny of the urgent distracts me from how good God is and how good he's been to me and produces in my heart something other than gratitude. And that's unhealthy, and it steals life. Uh, You know, I love listening to my children pray. I love hearing the boys pray. There's there's a a youthful innocence. It slowly wears off um, as they're becoming men. Uh, But I've got them from 13 down to 2. And especially in those earlier years, I, I love it. Normally when they pray in their earliest years, they don't have much other than Thanksgiving. And there's something really sweet about that. They just they offer up a few thank yous. Thank you for this home. Thank you for our food. Thank you for a couple of my brothers that I'm not frustrated with. You know, there's just, there's things that they, but it's just, it's thank you, thank you, thank you. And I've been convicted in that, that oftentimes I will run to supplication and prayer without just being still in thankfulness, especially in a trying year. 2020 was trying, um, for many of us, uh, I think uh, the needed reminder is to, to be still and be thankful for who God is and what he has done. I'm, uh, a couple weeks ago, my uh, 10-year-old prayed. He was seemingly exhausted, and he said, oh, God, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for the cross, for dying for me, and thank you that you will one day crush the head of Satan. Amen. And uh, I thought, that's pretty good. He covered the incarnation, the crucifixion, resurrection, second coming. That's a good, simple prayer. Uh, But if you think about that, kid gracious, in light of what God has done for us, he put on flesh and became man to take our place in judgment where he was crucified, to conquer sin, death, and the grave as the first fruits that we will follow in his footsteps, and to return and establish a kingdom that we will reign with him forever and ever. We got a lot to be grateful for. Thank you is enough. And so uh, we want to take a little time this morning and, and just practice thanksgiving. We'll do this a little different than confession. Uh, we'd love to do this out loud, um, just with whoever you came with. And if you came alone, you can just pray out loud in your seat. But uh, if you came with roommates or family, that would be the appropriate group to just kind of lean into with. And let's just popcorn out 
things that we are grateful for, even in the midst of a tough season, in light of who he is and what he has done, let's, let's, let's just um, refill our hearts with gratitude and pour it out towards the heavens. So let's kind of lean in towards one another, whoever we came with, and let's spend a few minutes in thanksgiving to God.
Praise God. You can go and be seated. Philippians chapter 4, verse 5 and 6 reads this way. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Um, supplication is nothing we're to be ashamed of. Uh, if you've ever had children, you know that they will unashamedly come to you and ask for uh, ridiculous things. <laughs> and yet that is part of uh, the beauty of that relationship. They know that they can, um, they can make any request to someone whose love for them is unconditional. And they can trust that we will not give them what they want if it's not what they need. And so there's a beautiful picture there of we go to God unashamedly, like children. We let our request be made known. You can dump everything that uh, is on your heart in way of supplication at the foot of the throne. And then you're, you're like Jesus in the garden too. You're saying, and yet not my will but yours be done. Like I'm going to trust you to not do for me what I want you to do for me if it is not good for me. And he's not a flawed father like I am who might give in here and there or do something that's unwise because I don't know anybody. He's a perfect father. And so we pray and, and we give those things over to him and we trust him. And um, so what I want to do in this uh, last part of our service this morning is just give us a few moments to go to God in supplication. We can just do this um, alone in the privacy of our hearts, and uh, this is a time when whatever's been uh, heavy on your mind or your heart uh, will do what the scriptures say. And again, it says, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. So we're going to act on our privilege this morning as children of God and go to him uh, in way of supplication. Let your request be made known, and then I'll end this time offering a um, pastoral prayer over you. So let's take a few minutes and go to the Lord in prayer. pray over you um, as I just thought and reflected and prayed for our body for you yesterday and today um, I wrote this down and uh, it's in way of supplication um, my desires for God to meet us in the upcoming year with his grace in a special way and so here's my prayer for our body Lord thank you for your grace and your mercy your patience and your kindness to us in Christ Jesus, whose name is more precious to us than gold, more beautiful than diamonds. 
Thank you for the good news of the gospel, that you have acted on our behalf in the most radical display of love, having offered up your only begotten son to receive the wages of our sin. May we never grow numb to this truth. May the ramifications of it wash over us again and again this year, constantly reminding us of our eternal victory in Christ. Let the message of the cross be, so, be declared so loudly in our hearts that the messaging of this world becomes less than a whisper. Let our ears be tuned to thy voice and our hearts to thy love. Let our minds be given to thy truth and our bodies to thy service. Let our souls be ever more full of your joy and the peace of your presence and the hope of your promises and let us be ever more satisfied in your love. 2020 was a trying year. It tested our faith. It exposed our need. It reminded us daily of our weakness. It revealed our need for community and for fellowship and the constant hope of the gospel to indwell our hearts. And it revealed the idolatry of our hearts, the things we hope and trust in and love more than we hope and trust in and love you. We repent of those things. We repent of loving lesser things in an ultimate way. We repent of looking to anyone or anything above you for our hope, our comfort, our joy, and peace. We know the error of our ways. We know the fleeting nature of earthly comforts, the emptiness of worldly pleasures, the futility of worldly endeavors. We know the limitations of man to give peace that passes understanding. Only you can satisfy us, O Lord. Only you can give us rest in the midst of our trouble. Teach our hearts the wisdom of the psalmist when he cries out, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. Lord Jesus, you have invited us into your rest. So I pray over the people of Harvest Church. I pray that we might enter that rest in 2021, that we might enter it daily as we lean into your strength, trust in your word and your spirit, and seek your face. May we find the rest that only you can give, a rest for our souls, that we may be marked by peace in a time of chaos, by hope in a time of wanting, by love in a time of hate, and by unity in a time of division. You've called us to shine like stars in a crooked and depraved generation. May we do so not by our own efforts, but by the effects of our salvation, that we have been made alive in Christ. And it's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. Let those words be our reality, our experience in 2021. Let them be our treasured experience of abiding in him who abides in us. Let us be branches of the true vine and let the sap of your grace produce in us and through us the fruits of your spirit so that the wondrous and glorious nature of the gospel might be put on full display for the world to see. In you is life and life abundant and life eternal. Let us look to no other fount in order to drink and live. Let our eyes be fixed on you, Lord Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and let us drink deeply of your presence this year. And let us find truth in your words. All who are weary, come to me, and I will give you rest for your souls. And so we come, tired but expectant, hurting but hopeful, beat down but not abandoned. We come as the woman who fought through the crowd to tug on your cloak is the son that returned exhausted to the father, is the gal who washed your feet with her hair. We come knowing that in you is the rest that is found nowhere else. Meet us with open arms, Lord Jesus, and the full measure of every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms that is ours in Christ. We love you, and we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less, um, and then have a benediction. But let me just make one observation and in, in encouragement. Uh, the lifeline of our soul, of our spiritual health, is, is found in doing regularly what we've done today corporately, and that's prayer, prayer and praise. 
Uh, I want to give you the most simple of encouragements, which is tried and true. With the beginning of a new year, I don't know what all your resolutions look like, uh, but I want to give you one. And if you'll hold tightly to this one, nothing else I could give you pastorally will have a greater effect on your physical, emotional, and spiritual health over the next 365 days than this. If you would begin every day doing in some form or fashion what we've done today corporately. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. If you'll come to the Lord, he'll meet you. And this year of your life will be rich with the blessing of his presence. Let's sing.